Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. This is a big episode because if you count the podcast preview, and I think that you should, this is our 20th episode. I'm so grateful for each and every person who listens, and I hope that every week you take something of value from the conversations that we're having here. If you're new to our community, make sure you subscribe to the show in Apple or Spotify or wherever you happen to be listening. We release a new episode every Thursday, and if you subscribe, you'll always have our latest release in your feed whenever it drops. Today, I'm joined by Holly Francis. Holly is an author, motivational speaker, and the survivor of a rare illness that she contracted in her 20s. Her story is absolutely incredible, and I can't wait for you to hear her share it. Let's jump in. Here's Holly. Holly, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So a big part of motivation to me involves overcoming obstacles. And that is definitely something that you have a lot of experience with. So tell us a little about your story and about what this looks like in your own life. For sure. So this all happened. I mean, the biggest obstacle that I've gone through in my life was being diagnosed with a rare illness in my 20s. So it was 12 years ago now, and I was completely healthy at the time. I was 26. I had just given birth to my daughter, Casey, and she was a newborn. We were adjusting to life at home, and you know, life was just really wonderful and, and exciting and had our, our whole future ahead of us, and then all of a sudden, I had this weird tingle in my finger, progressed to pain in my neck, weakness in my legs, and Within 72 hours, I was actually paralyzed, basically breathing on a ventilator, unable to move, unable to do anything. So it came on very, very suddenly. So obviously the biggest challenge of my entire life, when you're in your 20s, you think, you know, I'm, I'm going to be healthy forever. I'm, I'm not going to get sick until I'm old. And we're very naive that there's all these things that can happen to us. And, you know, life is so short and in the blink of an eye, things can change. 
And that's what happened to me. And I found myself diagnosed with this very rare illness called Guillain-Barre syndrome, uh, which is basically, it's very similar to MS, but it, uh, it affects the peripheral nerves in the body instead of the brain and the spinal cord. And essentially what it does is it's an autoimmune response and it begins to attack the nerves in your body essentially paralyzing you. So that's what happened. And, and I was in ICU, unable to be a mother, unable to move, unable to speak, unable to do anything. And I just completely felt like my life was over. Wow. That's, yeah, I'm not even sure where to go with that. I'm just thinking, cause I'm in my twenties as well right now. And so I resonate with a lot of what you said about feeling invincible, feeling like you're always going to be healthy and so I'm just trying to imagine, you know, you as a new mother going within 72 hours from being healthy to mm -hmm. being in ICU. And I just can't comprehend that myself. So take us through, you know, it'd be easy to look at where you are now and everything you've done since that point, just in a vacuum. But if you can take us into that moment, into what you were feeling and what you were thinking after receiving that diagnosis. Yeah. So when I, I was told by the doctor that I had this, this rare disease. And I remember at the time I couldn't even pronounce it. It's Guillain-Barre syndrome. And it's, it's, um, it's basically named after the doctors that had, um, discovered it like a hundred years ago. And, uh, I just was like syndrome disease. Like, what is that? I, I just, I didn't know anything. And so I remember at the time just thinking, well, you know what? I'm at the hospital. Just give me some medication. I, I got to get back home. I've got a newborn at home. Cause that's what you think. Like you think that doctors and hospitals, they, they know everything and they're just going to fix you up and you're going to go home. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the case. And, and he said, you know, this could end up being quite severe. We really don't know. We're going to, we're going to monitor things and we'll see how it goes. And you need to bring your family to be at the hospital. And like I said, it just progressed very, very quickly. And so the, the paralysis spread up my body through basically my hands and then my arms and my legs, and I could no longer move anything. And eventually when it rose up to my chest, that's when it affected my breathing and I was put on life support uh, in ICU. And I remember at the time just thinking, my life is over. I had, had never gone through health issues before. I had never really spent that much time in a hospital other than just having a baby. And when you're in ICU and you've got tubes, you know, coming out of everywhere, you've got, I had a, a breathing tube in my mouth, so I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. And my family was all by my side. It just truly felt like my life was over and there was no hope. And so for me, it was really, really a challenge for me to see that hope and to have faith that, you know, things would get better. Even with the doctors telling us, you know, some people with, with GBS have very severe cases, but they can still recover and get back to their life. And so you need to hold on to that hope. But when you're in that position and you can't move, and I mean, my daughter was there with me, she's, she's a newborn, she was only three weeks old and I couldn't reach out and touch her. And I, I couldn't breastfeed her anymore because of the medication and I just couldn't do anything. And it just was so hard to hold on to that hope that I was ever going to get out of there. And the paralysis lasted for many, many weeks. And there was no signs of improvement for such a long time. Uh, but I had a lot of little things that kind of kept me going. And one was obviously my daughter. She was a huge inspiration that I, I wanted to get better. She was kind of that 
that that major motivation of why. So why do I want to get out of there? It wasn't just for me. It was to be the mother that I'd always wanted to be. It was to do all these things that we had planned. And so that was a huge motivation. Um, and then another one was just finding another GBS survivor who had overcome GBS himself. And he walked into my hospital room and he showed me that, you know, there's other people that have been through this. And so it's not just finding that motivation or that strength within yourself. Sometimes it is getting it from outside help and finding other people that have gone through the same struggles that you have and that they truly understand. So I love something that you shared before you talked about the value of little things as it relates to motivation. And I think that's so critical, whether you're in a situation like the one that you were in, where you have something potentially life altering in front of you, like a medical diagnosis you weren't expecting, or even things that may seem more trivial. You know, I never want to compare one person's struggles to another's, but as my wife told me recently, there's no value in comparative suffering because we all suffer and we all have to find ways to overcome those things. But I would love to hear you speak a little more to that because I feel like that could be so applicable to people in a variety of different situations. But what does that look like to find those little things that would could help you get through whatever difficult situation you're going through? Yeah, and I, I have to agree with your wife. I mean, there's there's no reason to compare struggles because when you're struggling, I mean, it feels like the world is caving in on you no matter what it is that you're dealing with. And so, like I said, yeah, it's it's finding those tiny little steps forward. And it was hard for me to do that for a long time because I didn't see any kind of improvements uh, that seemed, they didn't seem big at the time, but my doctors were great at pointing those out. And as time went on, the the paralysis started to fade. And, and the first thing that I could do was move my fingertip. And when you're paralyzed, I mean, that's not a big deal, but it is those tiny steps forward. And so acknowledging that and celebrating those tiny wins, I mean, those those tiny improvements are things that you had to do. And a lot of people don't realize how hard it is for you to do them. So you should really celebrate them and then use those as motivation, you know, to keep going and to inspire that you that, you know, you just you accomplished that small goal. You can accomplish another and giving yourself credit. Yeah, I love that. I'm a runner. So I often think in terms of running metaphors. And so as you're talking, I'm picturing a marathon runner or an aspiring marathon runner who feels like 26 miles is too much for them to run. But the reality is unless you take the first step or unless you run the first half mile, first mile, whatever metric you want to track, you have to take those tiny steps in order to finish the ultimate goal. And so I think in whatever we're pursuing, we have to, like you're saying, look for those tiny steps forward, uh, those opportunities to celebrate progress, because without progress, however small, we're never going to get any closer to reaching our goals. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I'm laughing because my journey, I've compared so much to like a marathon. And when I was in ICU, I mean, the first step, up to getting out of ICU was learning to breathe on my own again. And I remember at the time it was so challenging. They would, they would shut off the ventilator and they would say, you need to last 48 hours eventually. And then once you've been lasting 48 hours, we can take off the, take the tube out of your throat and you can get out of ICU. And at, oh, at the time, 48 hours felt impossible. I could literally only last like 30 seconds. 
And then my doctor was comparing that to a marathon and said, you know, you're only going to last 30 seconds, but that's all you need to do today. And then over time, you're going to gradually increase that and it's going to get a little bit easier. And as the weeks went on, that's exactly what happened. And I remember when you first starting out, you're thinking, I can't do this. And I had convinced myself from the very beginning, I'm never going to be able to do this. I can't do this. But I promised myself that I would keep trying and that I would I would always try again tomorrow. So one of the GBS survivors that uh, came to visit me, I was very fortunate. He brought me this sign and it was this quote. It was like this little piece of paper that his uh, nurse had made him. And it had this quote across it and it said, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at day's mm. end saying, I will try again tomorrow. Wow. And so that sign was right in front of me to stare at every day. And when I was learning to breathe off that ventilator, that's what I looked at and said, you know what? This is impossible. I can't do this, but I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to try again tomorrow. And that's what I did. And slowly I got better at it. And those minutes turned to weeks or to hours and then to weeks. And, you know, after like several uh, months of, of practicing, I was able to breathe on my own and, and got out of ICU. That's amazing. I'm I'm almost getting chills as you're talking, just hearing about, I mean, that's so powerful. And I love the phrase that you used. I don't remember the specific context, but this idea of that's all that I have to do today. I know for me, when I think about trying new things or maybe even, you know, pushing myself in areas where I've been doing work for a while, but it's very easy for me to have this sort of all or nothing mentality where I feel like if I can't do it all, if I can't do it to the nth degree, then what's the point of doing it at all? But I love that idea of this is all that I have to do today because it, again, affirms that value of incremental improvement and recognizing if I can just push myself a little bit further today, it's going to be challenging. I may not feel like I can do it, but I'm going to pursue that regardless. And once I reach that threshold, then I'll push myself a little bit further and a little bit further. And then before you know it, in your case, you go from struggling to be off the ventilator to 30 seconds to all of a sudden you did reach that 48 hour threshold. Yeah. And at the moment, I mean, it doesn't feel like you're making progress, but it's not until you look back on it, like after usually that you see that, you know what, those tiny steps really turn into something powerful and that's how change is made. And so you, you really have to just keep going. And what was so powerful about that sign was the part where it says courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at the day's end saying, I will try again tomorrow was the courage part. And so at the time, I didn't feel very strong. I felt like every moment was a challenge. I felt like giving up the entire time, but still promised myself I was going to keep going. And to see that quote, real, realizing that, you know, you don't have to feel strong. You don't have to like face your day and be like, I got this. I've, I, I can handle today. I'm going to conquer it. You can do it with tears in your eyes feeling, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. But as long as you're keeping keeping going and you're you're just trying a little bit, that's how those tiny steps turn into huge accomplishments. Absolutely. And you say that courage is often a quiet voice. To me, that means that there may be louder voices that are talking as well. And so we have to figure out how to turn down the noise on those louder voices and choose intentionally what voices we're going to listen to. Absolutely. I think a lot of people feel like they, they have to be strong and, and like they feel like they're a really strong person, but you don't have to feel that way to be able to make change. Absolutely. 
So let's fast forward a little bit in your story. At what point did you shift mentally from this is something that I have to overcome to this is something that I have overcome and now I want to share about this experience in a way that could be helpful to others? For sure. So, you know, after I got advice to you, that was a major spark in me that I realized that we are so much stronger as human beings than we really realize. Because I, I mean, I was convinced that I was never going to get out of get out of ICU. Uh, it was seventy days before I was able to get out of there, and it was after that point that I just knew that you know I can accomplish anything in this world. And, and so from there, I learned how to use my body again. I learned how to hold cutlery and how to feed myself and how to take care of my daughter and. And just basically get back to my life. And I, I learned how to walk again and got out of ice or got out of the hospital. I mean, um, my daughter, she was six months old by the time I got home. So we, we lost a ton of time. But I knew in that moment that, you know, everything that I went through made me who I was. And I knew that I wanted to share my story and remind other people that, you know, I went from being completely paralyzed in ICU, unable to move with no hope for a future to recovered and getting into the best shape of my life. I, I discovered fitness and I realized how, how much it improved my life. And so I went, I actually got into the best shape of my life. And so to go from paralyzed to the best shape of my life, it was just a huge, you know, this recovery story that others could find inspiration in. And I also knew that there was a lot of people that um, have GBS, you know, it's, it's, it's rare, but there are people that go through it. And I didn't want anyone to basically believe that they were never going to get out of ICU. So that's why I started sharing my story. And I had a lot of videos from my time in the hospital and put out some YouTube videos and, you know, just started really talking about and bringing awareness to GBS and what recovery can look like. Yeah, I love that. Um, have you heard of Travis Frederick by chance? I have, but he had GBS. Yeah. So when I first saw your profile, I'm a very fair weather Dallas Cowboys fan. So that's one of the first things that I thought of was Travis Frederick. Yeah, I actually reached out to him when he was diagnosed. Um, and I think we chatted a little bit, a little bit on social media uh, just because, yeah, same thing, right? When people are diagnosed with this disease, uh, they typically feel very alone and feel like, you know, there's there's no hope and they just aren't sure what to expect. And so that's what I, what I really wanted to do was to connect with other people who are going through it or, or find survivors of it. And, and I've been able to do that with my story and just provide that inspiration to, to keep moving forward and keep fighting. Absolutely. And I think that's such an important point with struggles of any kind is whenever you experience a setback or get a diagnosis or whatever it might be, it feels so isolating. But the reality is someone has gone through what you're currently going through. And it goes back to what you talked about earlier, finding strength, finding hope in connecting with others. There's so much value in that. And so as easy as it can be to isolate ourselves because we feel like nobody can understand what we're going through or because we feel shame because of what we're experiencing. We need to push ourselves to make those connections because there's, as you said, so much strength, so much perseverance that can come from that. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's seven over 7 billion people in this world. And, and I'm sure that there's somebody that can relate on some sort of level to whatever it is that we're struggling with. And whether that's through social media, just through like, you know, finding other people's stories or support groups, or or making friends with people that, uh, you know, have have either been through it already and have overcame it or are going through it at the same time as you you know there's there's power in both of that mm-hmm. so hopefully most of the people listening to this show will never experience gbs i'm not even going to try to say the full name because i'll butcher the pronunciation <laughs> but hopefully most people listening to this will never contract that disease so for those people what can they learn from your story and your experience dealing with this condition I think just to never give up, you know, I, throughout my journey, even after ICU and and learning how to walk again and learning how to re-strengthen my body, I like, I lost 30 pounds of muscle in the hospital. And there was a lot of times where I was not sure, like if I was going to get out of my wheelchair or if I was going to get out of a walker, I didn't really know what my recovery looked like, but I just kept going and I just promised myself that I was never going to give up. And eventually I got into strength training and, and, and got into fitness training. And so now I've actually like trained other clients, um, even GBS survivors to, you know, how to strengthen your body. And so I think it's just that never giving up and always, you know, giving yourself that grace to even try. There's a lot of people that won't even try things because they think it's unattainable. Um, so don't put those expectations, just, you know, just go for it, just make the leap and just try because you never know and you won't know unless you try. And I think my story is a perfect example of that. There was so many times along the path that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do. And then I proved myself wrong. And so I think everybody has that ability to do that. Oh, yeah. It's this sort of mentality that you can have when you look at a challenge. I imagine there's some people who experience a setback and they feel like they're at the mercy of whatever their circumstance dictates. You know, maybe they get a diagnosis and they say, well, now I can't do this. Now I'll never be able to do that. And then there's people like you who have setbacks and challenges and they say, what's the opportunity in this? How can I grow? How can I develop? How can I overcome as I face this head on? And it may not be easy, but there's a difference between something being difficult and something being impossible. Absolutely. And with my experience, I've really learned that. I mean, even when I was in ICU and I lost out on so much time with my daughter, I mean, realistically, like I lost out on six months of her life. And there was a really long time that I I was so angry about that. And I felt like I was just robbed of every special moment with her. And I mean, I could have kept that going. I, I could have just maintained that anger and disappointment and frustration but over time, I realized, you know what, what am I going to gain from this? What What's something special that I can take from that? And what that was is that, you know, I just had this intense gratitude for being able to be a mom to her again. So when I got home, you know, I wasn't completely recovered and I really struggled with picking her up and, and walking for a long time. But over time, I got better. And now I'm just so grateful that I can, you know, play tag with her. And I walked her for, to her first day of school and I can just play, you know, have all these activities and stuff with her. And I would have never experienced that gratitude had I not lost the ability to, to walk and use my body. 
And so that's something that I've taken away from my experience. And I think we all can do that. You know, sometimes not everybody believes that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes you just kind of have to give that reason yourself and find deep within, you know, what's something that I can take away from this. And for me, I really learned, you know, how, how short life is and it's forced me to really look at the way I want to live my life and, and make changes. And I live life so much more adventurously. I mean, before GBS, I didn't really do a lot of things. I didn't go after a lot of things. But then after that, it was like, life is short. I'm doing it now. And I've climbed mountains and I've done so much traveling and just all these little things that I always said I was going to do one day. But, you know, one day you just never know what's going to happen. And so you mm -hmm. just got to go after the things you want now. Yeah, that's so powerful. Holly, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. And I know that everyone listening is going to just take so much value from what you've had to say today. Where can people learn more about you and connect with you? For sure. So my website, um, hollyaftergbs.com or hollyfrancis.com both will uh, take you there and uh, basically you know it depends on if you're looking for GBS support there's tons of resources there if you're looking to read my book uh, life support just came out in January and it basically goes through the entire journey of you know my my diagnosis and recovery and how it changed my life for the better uh, so that's information is on my website as well and then of course I'm all over social media as well so Facebook Instagram TikTok, tons of inspira inspirational um, videos out there as well. That's awesome. We'll link all of those things in the show notes as well. Again, Holly, thanks for your time. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me, Brady. Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle. And it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at bradyross.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, or reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction in chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's B-R-A-D-Y-R-O-S-S.com. And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.